today, home looks a lot different than it did four months ago. People are isolated in their homes away from what was normal then. For some of you introverts, it was a dream come true, and maybe it still continues to be that. And then for others, it's become a prison. We see statistically that depression diagnoses are at an all-time high, that anxiety disorders are at an all-time high, relational struggles are increasing, suicide rate has increased, it's lonely, we're isolated. George Barna even released uh, a study a few weeks ago saying that in America, one in every four committed believers have kind of hit the pause button on their faith. They've stopped engaging with their church online and they're not picking up their Bibles and they're not reading. They're just in in a limbo, in a pause as it relates to their faith. And I know this, I know that online church isn't the same and that isolation it does make our faith journey a little more difficult, but what if I told you that almost every significant move of God ever recorded was in the middle of or even on the tail end of seasons of isolation? I mean, think about it. Moses was given his purpose to rescue Israel from Egypt while he was in the mountains of the wilderness, isolated away from everything that he had ever known his whole life. The prophet Samuel was asleep alone by himself when the voice of God spoke to him for the first time. David, King David, was a young shepherd boy, isolated away from his family, watching sheep when the voice of God called him to be a king. Elijah was in a cave when he heard for the first time the voice of God whisper audibly to him and speak purpose back into his life. Jesus even prayed alone in a garden the night before he gave his life for the world. Paul wrote most of the New Testament isolated, alone, in prison, away from the norm. Over and over and over, you can see all through Scripture and even really every significant move of God even throughout history that we would know in our lifetime, it's come from seasons of isolation. What if we're right where we need to be, positioned for the greatest move of God in our lives, our homes, isolated. I want to read a theme verse in your notes. If you've got those, you can read along with me. It's in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. It says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Here we are in 2020 and the church has been scattered back into our homes. Isolation, back to the basics. Now home has become for many of us a lonely place. Maybe this time has revealed to many of us just what needs the greatest work. You know, in our home, we have a quote on our wall. When you walk into our living room, and I'll read it for you. It says, making a house a home is a high calling. The space inside these four walls is holy ground. What happens here matters a lot. What if everything God is wanting to do in our cities, in our communities, in our lives is contingent on what we would allow Him to do in our homes first? What if we need a homegrown revival? Here's what I know. Anything God would desire to do in our city, through our church, It's going to begin in our homes. It's going to begin with me personally. 
It's going to begin with us surrendering to the purpose and call of God for all of our lives individual. So we're the church. We exist for the world. So what does it look like for us to be able to experience a homegrown revival individually on our own so that we can see God do more than we could think or imagine in our communities and in our world? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into just three things, three simple things that I think will be helpful to us as we walk out this journey together. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word, that it's alive and breathing and for us. And Father, I pray today that you would do something in all of us, individually, speak to us, mold us, shape us, help us to experience revival in our own hearts so that we can see you do incredibly and immeasurably more in our, in our families and in our communities. In Jesus' name, amen. Homegrown revival. I've got three questions for you. Number one, what is said? Specifically, what is God saying? Second Chronicles 7, 14 and 15 says it this way, that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. And then he says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. What's this place? What's it for you individually, for me individually, what's this place? Specifically, what's God saying to me in these moments? We can see over and over again in Scripture where God says something similar to that passage of Scripture, that famous passage of Scripture, especially in the season that we've been in. Maybe you've read it a few times. And I think it's a, a place, number one, if you're, if you're taking notes, the first check mark would be a place of humility. If my people would humble themselves if they would humble themselves, if they would let go of their own preconceived ideas, let go of their own preconceived notions, and let go of their pride and humble themselves uh, under the presence and under the hand of God, we can see that He says He'll move in our land. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 5 and 6, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, that at the right time He will lift you up in honor. It's a place of humility. My eyes will be open, my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. A place of humility. Another one that I would give you is a place of repentance. Come on, he says, my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. What about repentance? What, is, what does repentance mean? It simply means to choose another way, to take a different path. Psalm 51 and 17 says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. David understood and he realized. It's not all of the stuff. It's not all of the things. God, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart. So when we see what is God saying, I think God's telling us all that he just wants humility and he wants us to walk in repentance and, and that his, his eyes will be open and his ears will be attentive to every prayer made in this place. Come on, what, maybe you can ask yourself the question, what, what, where are you postured right now in your life? Just every day, what does it look like? Are you walking in humility? Have you been walking consistently in repentance? God, just search my heart. The verse we just read, search me and see if there's anything that needs to change inside of me. I'm humbling myself in your presence. What does God have to say about your circumstance? 
What does God have to say about the season of life that you're walking into? Number two, if you're taking notes, is what is done? What is done? In other words, what do I need to do with what God is saying? The Bible says it this way in James chapter 1. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into perfect law that sets you free, and this is huge, don't just look at it, don't just be doers, or don't just be hearers, but be doers, and you do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, that God will bless you for doing it. At some point in this pandemic season, I decided that I was going to create a, a garden in our home. I decided that I was going to build it from the ground up. We had some rocky areas on our property that grass wasn't going to grow. So I just woke up one day and I told my wife, I'm going to build a garden. So I did. I went and bought the wood and we did some raised beds and then I built a fence around it and, uh, and I began to like rip up all of the weeds around and we planted uh, some vegetables and some uh, berries and here's what I've learned that the production level that I get out of my garden is fully dependent on the work that I put into it early on it was really difficult I thought that I knew what was going on I thought I knew what I was doing you just you know you plant it and it, everything grows but I learned really quick through study and through reading that it requires a lot of knowledge tomatoes you can't just plant a tomato and watch it grow. There's lots of work and care that has to go into those tomato plants for them to produce more than one tomato. Uh, and it, zucchini and squash and all of the different things that we planted, it requires a ton of work. Here's what I know. What I'm doing will either sustain me or it will destroy me when the rain comes and the floodwaters rise or my marriage is on the rocks, or a virus attacks my body, or sickness in some other area begins to work its way in. What am I doing with my life? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Come on, you want to write that down. What am I practicing? It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on a rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and do not, does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Come on, maybe right there where you are, wherever you're tuning in from, you can take that assessment. What's the foundation of my home look like? Where I'm at right now, I'm taking an assessment of my own life, my faith journey. Have I disengaged with my faith? Have I pushed pause on my faith journey in this season? Come on, I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. But Jesus said, if you do what I say, even when the wind blows, and the waves crash against it. It's built on a solid foundation. What am I doing? What am I doing? I've got some, 
some extras for you, some notes. You can write these down in your notes somewhere. Some questions that I've been working through as I'm worrying about what I'm doing. How am I handling the circumstances that I find myself in? Do I have an attitude of gratitude or aptitude? What does that mean? Well, am I grateful for all that God is doing? Or in this season, have I placed so much value on what I can do with my hands? Aptitude, the giftings that I have or don't have, the abilities that I have or don't have. Maybe you have found yourself in this season feeling handcuffed, not being able to do much, not being able to go, and not being able to uh, accomplish a, a lot of things in your own strength or in your own ability. And maybe that has caused you to hit the pause button in your faith. Maybe you've struggled with a why in your, own, in your own faith journey. And can I remind you that you need to have an attitude of gratitude. It has nothing to do with what you can do with your hands. It's everything what God can do inside of you. So maybe uh, a, a do, maybe a, a thing that you can begin to do in this moment, in this season, what am I doing? Maybe you can begin to be grateful for everything God has done in your life and is going to continue to do in the future. Maybe this one is, is one. Am I serving others or myself? What am I doing? How am I serving? Am I serving anyone? Am I serving others or is everything that's going on in my life, the decisions that I'm making, are they all self-serving? Are my decisions being made out of fear or faith? That's a big one. Come on, especially um, if you're tuning in from really anywhere in the country, you're having to make decisions on what's going to happen with school if you're a parent. You're, you're having to make decisions. Am I, are my kids going to homeschool? Are we going to send them to school? Are we going to do some kind of hybrid virtual situation? And if we're not careful, the fear of what might could be could really drive our decisions. Am I making decisions out of fear or am I making them out of faith? I love this one. I've been asking myself, am I praying or am I complaining? Does, does everybody just hear me complaining about what I can't do or what I should do or maybe what everybody else should be doing? Or have I turned my attention to the presence of God? Maybe that person that's been offensive or have offended you for whatever reason in this season, have you prayed for them or have you simply just complained about them? Have you prayed God's favor on them, blessing on them, or have you simply found some way to complain about whatever it is they did or didn't do in your life? Am I praying or am I complaining. And then this one's huge. One, one more. Am I worshiping or am I wallowing? Here's what I've learned in my own faith journey. That when I'm going through a difficult season, I can make a decision to sit in that difficult season. What I should have said, what I could have said, what they should have done, or how could they have done that to me, or why is this going on in my life? And can I tell you, in my own life, every time that I have made the decision to waller in my mess, it's only gotten worse. But can I tell you this, every time I've made the decision to turn my attention to the Father and turn my attention to Jesus, even sometimes it's just in a few moments, I would turn on a song uh, on, uh, uh, on Spotify or we have Amazon Music, whatever that looks like for you, and I would turn some worship music on and I would just begin to lift the name of Jesus high. And I would say things like, Jesus, I know that you are bigger than this circumstance. I know that you're bigger than this sickness or bigger than this job situation or you're bigger than fill in the blank for your own life. And I, know, I just want you to know, Father, that I'm struggling with it, but I don't want to waller in it. So I'm, hand, I'm handing it to you. So thank you that you're high above this circumstance. I'm placing you on the throne of my life. And you know, it just takes a few moments in worship, lifting up the name of Jesus higher than my own circumstance, and things begin to shift. My attitude changes, 
And can I tell you, many times the circumstance begins to change. Why? Because a lot of times everything was based on what my perspective was. And when my perspective is placed on Jesus, what am I doing? What am I doing in this moment, in this season? When I place my perspective on Him, all things begin to change. So what do I need to do? Well, I would encourage you, commit to the Bible in this season. Open up the Bible, open up the Word, and begin to, begin to feed yourself the Word of God. And, and maybe commit to consistent prayer and worship. I can tell you, you'll begin to see God do incredible things. And then number three, here's the final question. What is possible? What is possible? What could be if I'm listening to what God is saying and I'm, and I'm doing what His Word is instructing me to do, I'm walking in obedience to His Word, what's the potential of what God could do? I love Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ever ask or think. It's a powerful passage of Scripture, a powerful verse. Paul is, is, is acknowledging the, the um, all-surpassing power of God to do infinitely more than we ask or think. And many of us will read this passage of Scripture, but we just skip over the reality of the, of, of, of the how is He going to do it. All glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us. You see, any incredible, anything, any miraculous thing that God would ever do, significant thing that He would ever do in our lives, is always going to be contingent on His ability to work in us and through us. What's your dreams for your marriage right now? What's your dreams for your career? What about for your kids? What's the best that you could think of for yourself? All of it is contingent on tapping into the power of God in your life. And I want you to know today that it's available for you right where you are, right in the circumstance and season of life that you find yourself in. What if, what if a homegrown revival is contingent on me to surrendering to the power of God? The other day I was in my office and I was working and I was, my light, my, I have a lamp on my desk and my light just started flickering and it would go off and then I would flick it back off and on and it would, I fooled with that thing for probably 20 minutes and then my wife comes in, she walks downstairs, she comes into my office and hey, how's things going? I said, well, my, my, my lamp just won't quit turning off. I was just really frustrated and trying to figure it out. And I thought, man, this must be a wire. I'm just going to throw this thing away and get a new one. And she looks down behind my desk and she said, well, I think it's just unplugged. She plugged that thing in and sure enough, the light came on and it never went off again. What if, what if everything that needs to change in my life is as simple as just plugging it in? Plugging into the power of God. I know this, that a Christian, a believer robbed of power can't be used by God. Jesus said it this way in John 15 and 5, Without me, you can do nothing. We can't do anything apart from the power and presence of God in our lives. For me, in my own faith journey, the power of the Spirit is not a luxury. It's a necessity. 
It's something I have to have. The church's greatest ministry is yet to come, I think. Our best days are still ahead of us. Your best days are still ahead of you. What if anything that God would ever want to do in our lifetime is contingent on Him doing something in me first, in my family first? Maybe today you would recognize that you need a homegrown revival. It needs to start with you. I need to change. Before my spouse can change, I've got to change. Before my kids can change, I've got to change. It all starts with my heart, my spirit. What am I doing? What is God saying? And how am I responding to it? Maybe you would agree that in this season of isolation, you've listened to the voice of, any, the, voice of the enemy more than the voice of God. I want to point something out to you. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was uh, 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 taken into the wilderness after his baptism, he was tempted by the enemy. As a matter of fact, as you read all of those moments that I spoke about earlier of God moving in moments of isolation, if you look close enough in just about all of them, you'll see who's present. It's the voice of the enemy. Can I tell you, in moments of isolation, we will all be tempted with the voice of the enemy. And I love how Jesus responded. Every time he was tempted, he responded with what God said. He wasn't paralyzed with fear. He wasn't paralyzed with not knowing or a lack of knowledge or a lack of wisdom. The Bible says if we lack that, to ask God and he'll give it to us. No, every time he was tempted in isolation with the voice of the enemy, he responded to what God was saying. He was obedient to the voice of God. Maybe today you would recognize that you really are on holy ground and that you need God in your life now more than ever. You need to hit the, un, you need to hit the pause button again, the play button. You need to hit the play button and get back engaged in your faith and what God, the possibility of what God could really do in your life, in your family, in this city, around the world with a surrendered single person like me, like you, right where you are. I want to pray with you. Maybe today you would, you, would, you would say, I really don't even know how to begin to know what God's saying and walk in obedience because I don't really even know if I've got a relationship with Jesus. Well, the good news is the Bible says that God loved the world. That's you and that's me. So much that he sent his son to die on a cross. He came to this earth, lived a sinless life, never made a mistake, was tempted with everything you and I have ever been tempted with, never gave in to sin, and sacrificed his life so that you and I could have a relationship with him and spend eternity with the Father. And the Bible says that it's so simple. Because he loves us, Romans says that there's literally nothing. Maybe you're saying, yeah, Brandon, that's great, but you don't know the life that I've lived, the decisions that I've made, and maybe even continue to make to this day. There's no way God would accept me. The problem with that, uh, with that idea is it's wrong. You see, the Bible says in Romans that there's nothing. Paul said that in heaven or on earth or below the earth or around the earth, no angels, 
no decision you could have ever made in your life or would ever make in the future that could stop the love of God that's through Christ Jesus for you and for me. So I want you to know today, when that voice of the enemy is speaking to you right where you are, saying you've done too much, you've gone too far, that's not true. That's not the voice of God. He loves you more than you could ever think or imagine. And He is ready and waiting to begin a brand new life with you. So maybe right where you are, you could just simply say something simple like this. Father, forgive me of my sins. I confess there's nothing good in me apart from Jesus. And today I accept Him as my Savior. And I choose to follow Him as my Lord. Thank you for changing my life. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've accepted Him as your Savior. But maybe in this season, this pandemic season that we found ourselves in, that isolation has gotten the best of you and you've, you've allowed the voice of the enemy to get a little too loud and maybe he's your Savior, but really he hadn't been your Lord. Maybe you haven't been walking in obedience to his word. And maybe right now would be a moment that you would find a spot, find a place, and you would be uh, uh, vulnerable in front of Jesus. You don't have to say anything to anybody around you. You can take it straight to Jesus right where you are. And you can begin to confess your sins right now into Him and allow and begin to choose repentance. What does that mean? It means I'm just going to simply choose another way. Maybe right now you're choosing another way. You're making some decisions in your own life and in your own heart to think differently. And I believe this with all of my heart. God is looking all over, the Bible says in John 4, for someone who's just going to get real with Jesus, who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I know that it's the heart behind it. It's the why behind the what. What am I doing? I'm surrendering my whole life to Jesus. My family's going to look different. My, my marriage is going to look different. My job, it's going to look different. When I come out on the back end, the, the, the tail end of this pandemic season, I'm going to walk out of it in victory knowing that Jesus carried me through it. You see, I've learned this in my own faith journey. When I don't understand what God's doing, when I can't see His hand, I can still trust His plan. And I want you to know today that He loves you more than you could ever ask or dream or imagine. So today, thank you. Thank you for, for allowing the power and the Holy Spirit of God to touch your heart and to touch your mind. Father, we honor you today. God, we're thankful for every person right now on the sound of my voice who made a decision to follow you, to trust you, to accept you as Savior, and to make you Lord. I pray for my friends today who are making decisions, walking in repentance. We're choosing a different way. Father, today we're choosing revival in our lives so that we can see you do significantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine in our families, in our cities, and in our nation. Thank you, Father, for...